Uh, this morning, I want you to open your Bibles to Psalm 73. How many of you have your actual Bibles? Who has an actual paper Bible? Or, oh, that's a holy Bible, okay? But if you have an iPhone, that's just a Bible. Okay, how many of you have a holy Bible? Lift, your hand, lift it up. Come on, somebody. Oh, some holy folks. This side is a little holier. Let's do it again. Everyone who has a holy Bible, raise your hand. Dang, look at this side is holy. And the front section right here is holy too. Okay, if you have a regular Bible on your phone or iPad, you can lift that up. Everyone lift there. Okay, now I'm just playing. It's all holy. It's all good. And you're holy and Jesus loves you. Um, But this morning, I want you to open up to Psalm 73. Uh, This is a a teaching that, uh, this is a psalm that I'm really, 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 uh, I love. I'm just, it's almost like I have just a, a special uh, place burning place in my heart for this psalm and what Asaph this this is the writer of this psalm seventy three uh, his heart and journey that he writes about and, and I think everyone in here can relate to this this is a journey and a process that everybody goes through and I want to talk about it because I, I think that we say things sometimes in church but we don't ever ever really practically unpack the application. Like when we say something like, you know, orient your heart at the Lord. Well, how do you do that? Have you ever thought about that? Like, how do I do that? Do I just turn my heart? Like, how do I turn my heart to the Lord? And when we say things like, you know, uh, you know, I, I just, I need to think and meditate on what is pure. Well, how do I do that? Have you ever thought that? Like, I want some practical teaching. And teaching is a, a, a way that revelation is unpacked to you so that you can, you can eat it in, in bite-sized pieces. Um, and so this is what we're going to do today is I'm going to share some stuff with you this morning. I'm, I'm really excited about this morning because um, as I prepared for this, uh, I, I prayed for a lot of people in this room and, uh, and I saw a lot of faces and in, in my prayer time. And it's usually not like that. It's usually, you know, like there's certain people that the Lord will highlight and I'm just praying and then I'll pray kind of a corporate thing for just the body because I'll often pray before service and say, God, touch your people this morning. Like, this is my heart. Every, every time that we gather, I'm praying, God, bring your people into a deeper encounter with you. That's why we felt like it was the, the name that we were to carry, the identity as a church that we're to carry. I'm trying to do the seeker-friendly sit-down thing and relax, but I'm just too excited about what's going to happen this morning. So I'm going to back that behind me. So, But I feel like you need to know that I've been praying for you. I want you to know that I've been praying that you, uh, that you, that something happens in your heart through this message and through the close of this service. And if you would open your heart or if you would be hungry enough to come and receive the bread of life that comes from the presence of the Lord, if you would be thirsty enough, he will fill you. He will quench your thirst. Amen. How many of you are thirsty? And worship is is a really good time for us together. Not only it brings a unity and it brings our hearts together, but it also makes us thirsty. And sometimes we take a little drink and then we're done. But God wants us to get thirsty and he wants our thirst capacity to increase. Are you listening to me this morning? A lot of times, there's a lot of distractions in life. How many know that? With technology, there's a lot more distractions iPhones, and we, we are connected to any social network at the same time. Sometimes I have to just put my iPhone on airplane mode or turn it off 
And I just, I, I have to intentionally move it away because it can be a big distraction. Now, this generation is experiencing that more. And we're going to learn in five, ten years how, how, distraction, how distracting it actually is and the adverse effects on it. And then we're not legalistic. We're not like, well, I can't have an iPhone. You know iPhones in church. I and mean, we don't live like that, right? But there, there is an intentionality of our hearts to be careful not to be so distracted by things. Now, sometimes when we get thirsty for the Lord or we get hungry, we come into worship, or we spend time in prayer, or we study the scripture, we just get a little bit and we run. It reminds me, I didn't plan on sharing this, but my son Josiah, who knows my son Josiah? He's such an awesome kid. He just hit his head the other day, like a week and a half ago, and it was it was a little scary. It was about half of a softball knot on his forehead. Now, every parent exaggerates. I am not exaggerating. How many of you saw it? It was... Uh, there's a doctor here that is a radiologist. She says, you need to go get that x-ray right now. <laughs> We're like, okay. We went to the hospital, got a CAT scan. Thank God he's okay. Uh, but he's a little crazy. He was running on the uh, playground at school, slid and hit the tether ball pole, and just boom. I mean, just this gnarly knot on his head. But Josiah's a little, he, he's a typical kid. And we're sometimes that way when it comes to like our attention span, right? You know what I'm saying? And, and our attention span and, and the way that we orient our lives at God. And I'm going to talk to you about how do we practically point our hearts at the Lord? Like, how do I set my heart on God? Is there, is there a way to do that? Is there a formula, a process, or maybe just some key uh, key things to help you set your heart on the Lord. Um, so my son, Josiah, he's a little uh, short in his attention span. I'll just put it that way. And he's a brilliant kid. He's so awesome and full of love. He has such a tender heart. But when he was younger, he would do this thing. That This is kind of like a, a little example of how sometimes we are when it comes to the things of God. I would feed him something like mac. He loved mac and cheese growing up. What kid doesn't love mac and cheese? Who st- who still loves mac and cheese? Come on, somebody. Just can we thank God for mac and cheese real quick? Just praise break for baked mac and cheese. About five different cheeses in there. It's got to be just right. Come on, soul food. Hallelujah. Thank you for this mac and cheese, Lord. That's what I do every time I eat baked mac and cheese. So every, every kid loves mac and cheese, but my son would do this thing. I'd feed him a bite of mac and cheese, and he would take a bite, and he'd go, mac and cheese, mac and cheese, mac and cheese. And he'd, like, run around, then come up and wait for another bite. And you know how kids eat when they're little? They take a bite. <laughs> Layla's getting like that right now. Little Layla. She's so sweet. My little Layla. She's starting to love her daddy a lot more, too. Mm-hmm. Come on, somebody. She comes and sit in my lap, and, and she's, she's realizing how much affection I have for her, and now she's participating in it because she's turning her heart towards Daddy. But Mac and Cheese, little Mac and Cheese boy, was, was this little kid that would get, little Josiah would get a bite, then run, and, and sometimes we're the same way. We get something from God, and then we run around, and we don't really, you know, get the whole point of why God is trying to feed us something, or we don't slow down, are you hearing me, enough to hear, like, what is the Spirit saying? Sometimes God takes us to the cave so he can teach us what his voice is like. And it's not in the noise or all the other stuff. It's in the still, small voice. It's in the quiet moment. You know, David said, Lord, you've quieted my soul like a weaned child. And, and this, is, this is a psalm to me. Psalm 73, to me, 
uh, is, is a psalm about uh, the orientation of the psalmist's heart. And if you get this this morning, it will help you keep your heart oriented at God, and it will teach you what that means. Like, what does it mean to set my heart on the Lord? Uh, how many are excited about the Super Bowl today? I'm not. <laughs> Anyways, I just thought I'd say that real quick. If, if you have your Bibles open, just let, let's just start reading from verse 1. To talk about distractions, right? Psalm 73. I'm going to be reading out of the New International Version. Uh, and let's just start reading together. I'm going to just teach you. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Now, before I continue, I want you to, I'm going to just stop right there because that's a really powerful verse. And the psalmist starts with something uh, for a reason. And then he goes on and we're going to just look at some of the things that, it's almost like a venting. Have you ever vented in prayer or worship? Come on. Most of the time we do that when we're alone, which that's good because nobody wants to get thrown up on in a prayer meeting. But for some reason, we always do that anyways, right? Prayer meetings turn into gossip sessions and, oh, you need to pray for sister. Let's pray for her right now. But really it's just, we just want to vent and get some gossip out, right? Come on. We all do it. So, you'll see how the psalmist is kind of venting, but really he's, he's honest with his heart. And that's what I want you to remember before we continue. I also want you to remember this, that this is, an, this is under the old covenant. So some of the things that you read in here uh, are a veiled understanding of who God is. Amen. That's a good point, Pastor. The Bible says that the old covenant put a veil over the face of God, but in Jesus, the veil was removed. So Jesus is our perfect revelation of God, not just an old covenant understanding, not the book of Job or Leviticus or the Mosaic covenant. Like the, We have to understand the difference that the covenant that we are in now, which is the new and better covenant, come on somebody, established on better promises, this new covenant is completely different than the old, first of all. Secondly, Jesus reveals who God is. That's a whole nother message that I could spend about five weeks on, which we'll get, we'll go there. But I just want you to remember as we read this, the psalmist is venting and he has, he has a different understanding of God. It's similar to ours. He has a relationship with God in the covenant and God is faithful according to the covenant that the psalmist is in. But I want you to remember that. Okay. Take note. Duly noted everybody. So he says, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are impure in heart. And now he goes on. He says, but as for me, my feet almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice, with arrogance. They threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Verse 13. I want you to read this verse with me. This, I want to focus on this for a minute. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and I've washed my hands in innocence. That's such a powerful, honest moment. Do you know that you cannot live 
healthy or happy unless you're honest with your own heart. It's absolutely impossible. Now, as a church that values the presence of the Lord more than anything, it's hard not to be honest, right? But sometimes we learn how to make it look like our heart is open, but really our heart is in a totally different direction. In a culture of Christianity, we all know how to look blessed, but when we're really oppressed on the inside. Amen. My wife just graciously and anointedly, I just made up a word, shared uh, just a great word last week. Who was here last week? Who thinks my wife is so anointed and beautiful and amazing? I'm so proud of you, honey. You are so awesome. I think we have just the most amazing pastor's wife in the world right here at Encounter Church. Um, I really believe that too. And my wife is the hottest woman in the world. (laughs) And I'm thankful for that. Come on, somebody. It's been almost 16 years. I told her this, it's been 16 years, but I love you more today than I ever have, baby. Right? It's the truth. You know, Christian marriages should be the most exciting, blessed marriages in the world. Come on. The world's saying, man, why? You got it. What? How come you're still kissing like that? Because we got it. Because our, because we love Jesus and he loves us and we know what we have. And right. I mean, God, God helps us. Come on, somebody. Like there's a blessing. Listen, young adults, just wait for the right person. And don't think there's only one out there. Like the one, the one. No, don't, don't think that way. Just, but wait for the right person. Keep your heart set on the Lord. It's worth it. It's so worth it. Amen. So the psalmist is being honest with his own heart. Now, if we could just stop right there and say, okay, church, like I want to be honest with my heart. We've learned how not to. We've learned sometimes our hearts kind of deceive us in a sense. And we we believe lies and and we're thinking that, you know, like, and and listen, I want to be careful because I want you to understand I'm teaching this from a, a paradigm of grace. I'm teaching this from a paradigm of the new covenant. I'm not teaching this from an old covenant perspective of God or an old covenant. This is, this is about our hearts being honest with God and honest with one another. And it's about the orientation of my heart. Like, where's my heart set on? This psalmist is being honest with his heart, and he says, I have envied the prosperity of the wicked. Have you ever been there? Are you there now? Have you ever just thought, like, I wish I was in that circle of influence? Or maybe I wish I had that platform or, or I wish that I, I had that much money so I could do that. I mean, we, we envy is just such a common accepted sin. As a matter of fact, the church as a whole has called out these gross big sins, quote, homosexuality and, and all these things. And we're quick to point the finger at someone living in fornication, but we have envy all up inside of our own corazones. And, and in our own heart, like, you know, like I'm a Christian and I got a Bible and I, I got a bumper sticker that says God loves me. And, you know, I've got all the characteristics of a church person, yet my heart is envying the proud. I smile at someone on Sunday, but on Monday I'm slandering them at a prayer meeting. Now the psalmist has got to, I'm learning, this is a journey, by the way, okay? It's all a journey. Come on. You ever feel like it's a big test and you're like, I just want the test to end? Who loves tests? When I was little, I used to just fill in. The <laughs> I, was like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what the answer is. I'm just going to make a little cool pattern so it looks like I know what I'm talking about and I fail. It never works. It doesn't work. Just be led by the Spirit. Yes, be. 
I'm not even going to look. C, D. <laughs> you know what tests I'm talking about, right? The little dots, A, B, C, D. You ever feel like life's a test? When's it going to end? You ever feel like that? I don't know about you. I do all the time. This is bugging me. I'm just going to kick it up out of the way. The psalmist is feeling that. He's feeling that the, where his heart is actually oriented. He's, he's being honest with his own heart. This is such a beautiful psalm. He says, I've envied the prosperity of the wicked. I mean, sometimes I, I, I feel like, you ever feel underappreciated? I think he feels underappreciated. I think everyone feels like that. And sometimes that's because we're setting our hearts on a platform or, or uh, influence alone, or we're setting our hearts on desiring money for money itself, or we're setting our hearts on having what someone else has. Like I want that relationship or I, I want what they have, or I want, I, but, but instead of saying, okay, God, I, I need to set my heart on you so you can give me what you have for me. But have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like, if you're really honest, like, I, yeah, I felt like that. I feel, and sometimes I feel underappreciated. Sometimes people, I think people over, uh, I, I think for some reason, being a pastor is definitely overrated. Like everyone wants to be a pastor until they become a pastor. For real. I'm just being real with you. I love everyone in this room, but it's not an easy job. Now this psalmist is a worship leader. Maybe he's talking about some of the people he's leading worship. To. Maybe he's talking about some of the people that, that are in the assembly of the saints. Maybe he's, he, in matter of fact, you go on and he says, had I said anything, I would have betrayed God's people. In other words, this was all an inside conversation. He never let it come out of his mouth. That's a good lesson to learn right there. Come on, somebody. Now, a Hebrew thought, a Hebrew understanding understands the power of the tongue. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. And to those who love it will eat of its fruit. David said, put a guard over my mouth. There, it's so important you realize how powerful your words are. Your words frame. Your words are like the rudder of a ship. Your words will, will shape worlds and destinies. You have to be careful about what you say. Amen. Good word. Let's all lay our tongues on the altar now. Come on, somebody. The, the psalmist said, had I said anything, I would have betrayed your people. So the Hebrew understanding knows the power of the tongue. Matter of fact, there's a saying called Lashon Hara, which is the evil tongue. And in the, the way to describe it is that the psalmist would, would know that if we destroy, listen to me, this is so powerful. If we destroy someone's reputation, it's the same thing as committing murder. There's an old, uh, an old saying that I heard from a, me, a very famous person in media. And uh, I think it's like 2020 or one of those. And they did a story, I think back in the 80s, of a minister who had fallen. And they had, they barely spent, spent any money at all on researching because all of the Christians gave them all the information they needed. Hello? Why is it so easy for Christians to slander? Maybe we're just not honest with our own heart like the psalmist is. Maybe if we're honest with our heart and say, yeah, I have, I have envied the wicked. Maybe I have, maybe I have put my hope in the, in the wrong value systems. And maybe I have, like I want, I want all this, but really, oh, my heart is just, point. see your heart. Listen, let me say this before I continue. Your heart is like a satellite dish. Does anyone here have cable? Does anyone have direct TV? Sinners. No, I'm just 
Okay, does anyone here have satellite? You know what I'm talking about, direct TV. Does anyone, nobody has satellite, really? Can you just raise your hand? It's really not that hard. Just raise your hand if you do. There's a point to it. Okay, what, how big is your satellite dish? It's not really, Rochelle. I think it's a little bit. Yeah, that's about right, right? It's about, yeah, that's, it's about that big right there. Look in the back. That's about how big it is. Now, that's how big they are now. But back in the day, do you remember how big they were? Hello, technology is amazing. Like we take it for granted sometimes, right? Don't we? My grandpa had one of those big ones. My grandpa was a cool farmer. He had a big one. I, we used to go, he had this huge satellite dish and we had Disney. We'd go to his house, which is in the middle of nowhere. We didn't have cable at home, but we'd go into his house in the middle of nowhere and we had all the channels. But the trick was nowadays it's connected to the satellite all the time, right? Unless there's bad weather or something. But back in the day, this thing actually had to turn and point to the network or point to the satellite that it was supposed to connect to in order to bring the signal to watch whatever you wanted to watch. Are you all following me? So back in the day, and this, this is a perfect illustration of what I'm talking about. See, your heart is a lot like a satellite dish. See, wherever you, it's like a radar. It sends and receives signals, right? Now, I'll give you an example real quick. If you're offended, it's going to be real easy to get along with other people that are offended. Amen. If you're a victim, you're going to hang out with other victims. You're going to always wallow and, oh, instead of rising up and overcoming. If there's something going on in your heart that's akin to what someone else is, sometimes in a good way, you can connect with them and help, help them bear their burdens. Amen? If there is lust in your heart, uh, it's, it's easier to connect with somebody else. It, it, we call it aura or some people call it a vibe. You ever heard like some people give off certain vibes. It's because of the orientation of their heart. So you don't realize how powerful the heart is. Wherever your heart is pointed, spiritual life flows or not spiritual life flows, right? Like quantum physics says that a one heart one person's heart can actually change the atmosphere of an entire room. That's incredible. See, we undervalue the, the importance of the heart. Actually, the heart is the center of our being. Jesus taught this. You read the Sermon on the Mount, and he, it's all about the heart. He's like, don't worry about tomorrow. Daddy's going to take care of you. You know, just keep your heart focused. If your eye is good, your whole body's full of light. What eye is he talking about? The eye of your heart, the focus of your heart. Where's your heart oriented? So the heart's like a radar, sends and receives signals, right? You ever pick up vibes like, ooh, 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 you know, like something, something's not right. Now, you know when something's not right, not just because our countenance reveals what's in our hearts, but sometimes you can feel it on someone. Have you ever felt a spirit of anger on somebody? Hello, you have discernment of spirit. You ever felt like a spirit of death or something? That's just discernment. We're picking up stuff that's going on in their heart and in their mind. So my, this is a perfect illustration because sometimes it takes us a while to orient our hearts at the Lord. Like we come to church and we come and worship. It takes like three songs and then finally, okay, I'm set on the Lord. But I had to get rid of all the anger and bitterness and unforgiveness that I had towards the person I rode in the car with on the way here. I mean, what I'm talking about, like, can we be honest in church? This, this message about honesty with our own heart. And that didn't happen this morning at all. I, I rode alone. That's why I drive alone to church. <laughs> Glory, get a car, get a job, get a car. Praise God. It takes us a while because we, we have to unlearn the, the, 
The lie that says we're not powerful. We have to unlearn the lie that says we have to envy the wicked. We have to unlearn the lie that says that we have to orient our hearts in all those other directions. And we have to learn who we are so that I can orient my heart at the Lord. And listen, my my grandpa's satellite dish, when he changed the channel, it was like... That's what it sounded like too. I'm not exaggerating. And it took like... 20 seconds just to point to a different network. Grandpa, I don't want to watch Disney. I want to watch something else. Okay. That's how my grandpa sounds. Change the channel. And that's how we live our lives. Instead of learning I'm powerful and I can set my heart on the Lord. I'm powerful and I can choose to worship God in any circumstance. Set my heart. I was made. In fact, I was made. Now, here's the trick is we don't understand the heart... uh, is not meant to be scattered out in so many places. A wife will know when her husband's heart is divided. Not just because of discernment, but there, there's just a knowing there's a, when you're one flesh with someone. Now, it's the same thing with, with our lives that sometimes our heart is just scattered in so many different places. Now, how do we orient our hearts at the Lord? How do we do this practically? Let me just... Uh, continue the psalm a little bit, and then I want to talk about some practical things to help you orient your heart at the Lord. Now, here's what the psalmist says. He's like, have I cleansed my heart in vain? Have you ever thought that? Like, have I lived pure in vain? Because the guy next door who's not living pure seems like he gets whatever he wants. Hello? Being honest with our hearts. Why does he get to do that? Why does she get to do that? Why can't I do that? Why can't I be there? Why can't I have that platform? Maybe because your heart's too attached to the platform. Maybe because God can't entrust you with that favor. Maybe because you don't realize that the favor is not just for you, but it's for everybody around you. And so where is our hearts? We have a a responsibility, even as new covenant Christians, to keep our hearts pure. Do you realize that? Like, it's not just, oh, it's all good. And no, you have to keep your heart. Listen, Paul says this, and he's talking about oneness with the Lord. He says, if you join yourself to the Lord, you're one spirit with him. How many believe we're one spirit with God? But in context, he's talking about sexual sin. In other words, he's saying, yeah, you're united with Christ. You're bonded with him. But you could be bonded and united with Christ and not in harmony with him at the same time. You could actually be united with him in spirit as a blood-bought Christian who's indwelt by the Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit's like super glue. He'll never leave you. Thank God for that. He's close. He's not far. But at the same time, you could be living in sexual immorality. It's the believer's responsibility to keep our hearts oriented. This is what God intended from the very beginning. People to choose relationship because that's what he designed us for. Have I cleansed my heart in vain? Now this, this is powerful. He goes on. Are you with me still? And he says, have I washed my hands in innocence? All day I've been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. Have you ever felt like it's one of those weeks? Like it's, his mercies are not new every morning to me. It seems like new punishments are new every morning. One of those days, right? It was kind of like that. I had a kind of a rough week, one thing after another. And I'm like, thanks, Lord. You knew I was going to teach Psalm 73. So, you know, of course. Listen what he said. He said, had I spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this troubled me deeply. I love this honesty. Sometimes as professional Christian ministers, we forget to be honest with our own hearts. I never want to be a pastor that is not honest with his own heart. If you see me crying, I could be repenting of things. I could be orienting my heart back at the Lord. Say, man, I've, 
I've gotten bitter. I got some people to forgive. I need to set my heart back on the people of God. There was a time pastoring this church in the last six years for about a year. I didn't love people. Whole year as a pastor, I look like I love people. Can I be honest with you this morning? This psalm is about honesty. For a whole year, I looked like I was that anointed PZ, praise God. I still preached. I still prayed for people. But deep in my heart, I didn't want anything to do with what I was doing in that moment, in that season. And there was a moment where I said, I got to rise up and set my heart back on the Lord. Now, the psalmist says, it troubled me deeply. This is so powerful. Verse 17, until I went to the sanctuary of God. Until I entered the sanctuary. I mean, have ever, you know what I'm talking about. All hell has broken loose, but you get to the house of God. You get to that prayer group. You get around those people that you know, Sister So-and-so is going to have a word for you because she prophesies over everybody, and you're so glad you're there. And you know the worship's going to be good, and you know God's going to be there, and you need to touch God. You need to experience God. You need to drink some living water. You need some new wine to intoxicate you with the love of God so you forget about all that other poo-poo. Come on, somebody. He says, until I went to the sanctuary of God, until I went to the sanctuary of God. This reminds me of helping you real quick, teaching you uh, experientially, how do you set your heart on the Lord? This is, let me, let me tell you right now, this message, all week I've been orienting my heart about this moment. I've been thinking about you. I've been thinking about the gathering of the saints. I've been thinking about how I want to see you touched by God. How I want to see us learn as a body to be strong, to be worshiping warriors that that are quick to worship in any circumstance. Not only that, but they're honest with their heart. They're transparent. And so all week I've been thinking about you and I've been thinking about the church and I've been thinking about this message. In essence, what I'm saying is I've been setting my heart on this moment. Now, it's the same thing if we have a prayer gathering. Sister Lori, would you stand up? Yeah, Sister Lori, would you stand up? You look great today. Give Sister Lori a hand. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Honey, would you stand up? Kevin, would you stand up and come over here? Now, we're about to have a prayer meeting. Who's ready? Rob, will you stand up? Come over here. Chris, too. Come on. We're about to have a prayer meeting. Now, these are prayer warriors. These are lovers of God. Now, we have a planned prayer meeting, okay? We have a planned prayer meeting, and it's good to plan events. Sometimes spontaneous things are good, but it's okay to plan events. So we plan a prayer meeting, and it's going to be Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. It's Monday morning. Now, they do what they do on Monday morning. I don't know what they do on Monday morning, but they do whatever they do on Monday morning. But Wednesday night, are you hearing me, at 7 o'clock, did I say 6 the first time? 7 o'clock, there's a prayer meeting. Sometime around the evening, okay? When the sun goes down, we're going to pray. Come on, somebody. Kevin on Monday morning's like, I got to go to work, do what I do, kiss my wife goodbye, head off to the job. But he's thinking about Wednesday night, thinking, man, I can't wait to pray with the people of God. I can't wait to, because I know who Kevin is. Kevin, he has a pastor's heart. He can't wait to ask someone how they're doing. He can't wait to say, hey, are you okay, man? I've been praying for you. So he's, here's what he's doing. He's setting his heart towards God in the capacity of that prayer gathering. Are you hearing me? There's an anticipation that begins to stir in his heart, and God actually speaks through that. God actually flows through that, and he's thinking. Matter of fact, uh, Kevin and Karen, they have a Thursday night prayer and fellowship at their house, and he probably does this every week. 
and he sends something out on Facebook, I'm praying for you. I want you to know I'm praying for you. So the same thing happens with Rochelle. Rochelle's thinking, I'm going to pray. She's probably thinking a little different. She's saying, I hope there's no boring prayers. Because you all know my wife. Come on, somebody. (laughs) But my wife in her heart is thinking, you know what? We're going to pray Wednesday night. And she's setting her heart. And I bet she's thinking, I wonder if there's going to be any ladies there that need ministry. Because I love broken women. And so she's taking on the heart of God for a specific area of ministry. And that is, that is going to flow through her and touch and reach and minister to broken people. The anointing lifts the burden. Come on, somebody. Same thing with Lori. See, Lori is that sister I mentioned just a minute ago who likes to prophesy over everybody. She's singing, I'm going to prophesy over everybody. She's got her anointing all in her pocket, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all day. Here's what's happening with these people. They're setting their hearts on the Lord. They're setting their hearts on that prayer gathering. They're setting their hearts on unity. They're setting their hearts on ministry. Now, throughout life, stuff happens. So now Rob is probably thinking like, I wonder if there's any dead people I want to raise there. Come on, somebody. Both Rob and Chris, they're like, you know, faith, like just faith warriors. I want to see. And Chris is probably thinking like my wife, like, I hope there's no boring prayers. And he's thinking, I hope it doesn't go long, but if it goes long, God better be there. Cause I'm going to go to sleep. Chris has mastered the sneaky prayer posture. The one where you act like you're praying, but ugh, I was soaking glory to God. Would you give them all a hand and let them sit down? When you set your heart on something, you begin to think on it. You begin to, like before, uh, before we gather together, saints, I'm, there's an anticipation like God's going to show up and he's going to minister to people. And this is, this is the psalmist of the heart. He's taking his own life honestly with his own heart. And he's saying, I've got to turn away my heart from all these things. Let me just illustrate something else to you really quick. Uh, and this is the way sometimes we need to look at it like this because... When you come to church, you're not asking God to fill a place that he already isn't. He's already here. He's closer than you can comprehend, in fact. Matter of fact, he lives inside of you. Amen? So when we come together and we experience the presence of God, which we're going to close with these verses that that exemplify what I'm saying to you right now. Uh, It's the same way that I have a relationship with my wife. Now, let's say that I love perfectly, which I'm pretty close. (laughs) Right, honey? In church, be honest. If it's not true, just shake your head no so everyone sees that I got problems. Okay. I, I almost love you perfectly. I'm just, it's because you're perfect. Come on, somebody. See, we just flattered each other right there. So, But let's say that I'm like God. Okay, let's say that I love perfectly. Now, God's with you always. But when you come together, when you pray, you experience God. You're aware of God. You set your heart on the Lord. As a matter of fact, seeking God is not like it was in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, they had to seek God. Like God was, you had to seek after God. You still seek God in relation to the orientation of your heart. Are you following me? But it's not like it used to be. He's closer than you can comprehend. But he wants you to experience his jealous love. His love is just burning for you. So let's say I love my wife perfectly. And let's say that she's not in the mood to experience my love. Like she don't want to, she don't want a hug from me. Sometimes that happens, you know. She don't know what she's missing, but let's just say I love perfectly, though. So I'm loving her. Would you stand up? It's going to help. When she, let's say that she's busy and her heart is oriented at being a mom, which is normal. She has other responsibilities. But I want, I want time with her. I want to spend time with her. I want her to know how much I love her. And I want to affirm her and I want to bless her. And I want to just, 
I want to be one with her. I want to be close to her heart. I want to, uh, I want to express my affection to her. Now, if she's turned a different direction, if her heart is oriented in another direction, she's not going to experience my love. But I'm right here the whole time, and I'm just waiting for her to turn this way. And when she turns that way, I'm going to give her a big hug and a kiss. Come on, somebody. All the other stuff is for marriage conference. Let's talk about Okay. Change the subject quick. God wants you to experience his jealous, fiery love all the time. And all you have to do is orient your life at him. You don't have to, you don't have to strive. You don't have to like do jump through religious hoops. You don't have to read 17 chapters of the Bible. You don't have to pray for 20 minutes. The reason it takes 20 minutes is because it takes you that long to orient your heart at the Lord. You're that satellite dish. Wrong network. There it is. I'm uh, three songs. Got me there. Praise God. But when you realize that you're connected to God and he's connected to you, and you're honest with your heart and you turn away from envy and you turn away from all this stuff, all the religious politics and the platforms and the places that we have inadvertently allowed our hearts to be connected to wrong value systems, wrong cultures, cultures of flattery, masters honor. Come on, somebody. And we say, no, 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 I don't want none of that stuff. I want God. And until I went to the sanctuary, that's when I realized what really mattered. Let's just put it that way in light of, of the new covenant. When I went to the sanctuary, I realized what was most important. See, this is about reprioritizing things. This is about prior and, and laying aside the distractions. I'm ready to close. Are you ready? Let's close together. He said, until I went to the sanctuary of God, I, I want you to jump down now to uh, verse 21. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant because I was a brute beast before you. Have you ever done things since that made no sense? Like, why did I even do that? Why did I say that? He was being honest with his own heart. Yet I'm always with you. I love that. That's so powerful. He said, even in the midst of all the stuff I was doing, my heart was attached in all these directions. God, I was still with you. You still held me by my right hand. I'm in the palm of the Father's hand and no one can pluck me out. Are you hearing me this morning? Holy Ghost is like super glue. He doesn't leave you. You're not an orphan. You're a son and you're a daughter. And he's just waiting for you to turn to him so he can, he can express his affection to you. The psalmist goes on. He says, I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with counsel. And afterward, you take me into glory. You pull me into my destiny, Lord. You pull me into what I was created to do as I choose to set my heart on you. This is the consummation of, of the psalmist's heart right here in the next two verses. Are you ready? I want you to read it with me. I want you to, I want you to orient your heart right now at, at the Lord. And, and just allow yourself, don't allow yourself to be distracted, but just intentionally say, God, this is my heart too. Are you with me this morning? Here's what he says. He says, whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. Wow. You're my first love, oh Lord. 
Move away from all the distractions. Move away from all the things that will hurt me. Choose to forgive. Choose to love. Choose to guard my tongue. Set my heart back on you. Coincidentally, 73 degrees is about, if everyone look at me, my heart's oriented in this direction. 73 degrees is about right here. My heart is set 73 degrees back on heaven. I set my heart, my eyes. This is why Jesus prayed, lifting his head up, looking up to heaven. Father, his heart was set on Father. Whom do I have in heaven but you, Lord? There's none on earth I desire besides you. There's none on earth I desire besides you. Close your eyes as I continue to read in closing. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God. Aren't you thankful for those two words right there? Come on. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. God is my strength and my portion forever. I've made God my refuge. I've I've been through the process where I, I know what it feels like to have my heart set in the wrong direction or maybe just spread thin. My priorities there's something so beautiful when a people together, not just one or two or a remnant or three or four, but a people together, the hundred plus people in this room right now, that you'd say, let's just all set our hearts on God and say, I love your presence more than anything else. What would happen in a room where every heart said that? We'd probably all be laid out on the floor for about 10 hours. So now you're purposely not going to do it, huh? Because it's Super Bowl Sunday. But can we just identify with the honesty of the psalmist? Say, God, I want to choose to set my heart on you. And I want to learn that I'm connected to you. That I I don't have to take a bunch of time and turn to the network of heaven. I'm I'm already connected to you. I'm I'm practicing your presence. I'm, I'm being more aware that you're with me, that you're for me, that you love me, that your affection is for me. And sometimes I get distracted and sometimes I'm not quite there, but all I got to do is turn to you and then I experience your love. Are you listening to me this morning? And sometimes we let envy get in the way. Sometimes we let bitterness and unforgiveness and, and all this other stuff. But can we as a people get a little bit more passionate about loving God and get a little bit, a bit more passionate about the presence of God? Come on, somebody. Can we as honest people like the psalmist say, whom do I have in heaven but you? Will you say that with me right now? Say, whom do I have in heaven but you? There's none on earth I desire besides you. Listen, today Jesus wants to hit the reset button. He wants to hit the reset button on your heart. As we close in worship, would you just turn your heart to heaven and experience the love of the Father? and encounter the love that he has for you. You can come to the altar and worship if you'd like.